0: Hi, this is Meredith. Welcome to this episode of The Backdrop for Pomona Valley Church. Welcome to The Backdrop, where each week, Curtis and I offer some thoughts about the scholarship that surrounds the passage that we preached on but maybe didn't fit into the sermon time when we were together. I'm glad you're with us today, and thanks for listening in. This past week, we explored John chapter 4, which is the encounter Jesus has with the Samaritan woman at the well. This was the last in our series through the introductory chapters of the book of John, And one thing we're about to dive into together in this episode is the way that this story actually weaves together a bunch of themes that have come up through the prologue and the introductory chapters. There are echoes of the introductory work that John has been doing throughout this narrative, and they're pretty fascinating. So three major themes that we see throughout John and we've seen in other parts of his introduction show up again in this passage, the first of which is this idea of witness. John, of course, begins with John the Baptist, who is a witness to Jesus, a witness to the Messiah, a word that means that someone's telling their story. And Curtis talked a lot about that in his sermon at the beginning of our series. The idea that a witness is simply telling what they've experienced of Jesus. And that's very true of this woman. At the end of this whole encounter, she heads to her town saying, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. She's just being a witness to her experience, telling the story of who Jesus was for her. Another theme we see here that's been common through the introduction is the theme of life. When John is trying to tell us what Jesus is up to, the work of God that Jesus has come to do among us, it is to give life. We see it in a lot of different places, but especially in John 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus where we see John 3.16 famously, right? That all who believe in Jesus would not perish, but have eternal life. And John 3.17, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Salvation and life are interconnected in John's gospel. We are saved by entering into the life that God has for us. On the flip side, we're condemned when we continue on in a life that doesn't have what God has to offer, a life that doesn't have joy, justice, peace, God's nearness, all these markers, these traits, these good things are available to us. And that's, of course, a variation of what Jesus says to this woman when he offers her living water, the spirit of God with her. A third theme that's been throughout the introduction and then again in this narrative is around the temple. John 2, of course, is when Jesus clears the temple with a whip and specifically condemns the injustice of gouging the poor in order for them to worship. Curtis made the point that we ought to think about that act as symbolic of the world as God's temple and God's desire for injustice to be eradicated holistically and globally. The temple is an incredibly important place for the Jewish people, which is, of course, why Jesus enters the temple to make that sign happen, because he knows its meaning will be richer in that place. But there's also then, in this encounter with the Samaritan woman, a significant conversation about temple, about Mount Gerizim versus Jerusalem as the proper place to show worship to God. And here is the first time that Jesus states something incredibly important. He is the temple. We'll see other times in John where this matters. He'll say, tear down the temple and I'll rebuild it in three days, referring to his own death and resurrection. In a culture and a religion and a community that is shaped by having a sacred place where God comes to dwell, Jesus is doing something incredibly important when he says, it's me now. The spirit dwells in me, through me to you, and the worship that glorifies God most of all is In spirit and truth, he says to the Samaritan woman, right? This worship that is not about a building or a spot, but now located in a person. And John has echoed that earlier on, the world is God's temple, but now brings it to a head by having this be the first conversation where Jesus explicitly states that he is the replacement, the extension, the move forward for temple worship. And so these three, witness, life, and temple, are all things that have been in John's introduction so far, but are really clarified and emphasized through this conversation with the Samaritan woman, which is kind of interesting considering that the Jewish audience would have thought that she is someone who's not really going to get it when it comes to faith by virtue of being a Samaritan and a woman. I'd like to spend a little time before we go exploring the Samaritan woman specifically just a bit. And actually the question that came to mind as it relates to her is to what degree has our way of reading scripture, which has been very centered a lot of times on application and personalization, to what degree has that caused us to sometimes miss what's happening in the text? I don't think that's an uncommon thing to experience. I think that if we are a little too inclined to emphasize how does a passage apply to me, then we might inevitably miss some of the original meaning and the original context, which actually would probably inform how a passage speaks to our own lives more richly. But in this passage, it came to mind in a different sort of way for me. You, like me, may have been taught... Or caught along the way, that you read the Bible like it's for me. Each story is for me. Every time I read, I should ask how it applies to my life. It can be a bit of a narrow view of what it means for Jesus and for this book that tells his story to be relevant. Because one thing that might happen is that you or I too quickly assume that we are like the Samaritan woman, especially if we've been wrongly told that her situation is the fruit of her sin. It becomes the connection point, right? She's a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm like her. And how Jesus speaks to her is what Jesus would say to me. And how she feels is how I feel. But when we remember all of the context that helps us be aware that it's not her sin that we're seeing, it's how she is a victim of a patriarchal system that objectifies women and disempowers women, then we're going to maybe find that we're not as much like her, and I think that's okay. But when it comes to this passage, if you're white, you're not like her. As a Samaritan, she's ethnically disempowered. If you're a man, you're not like her. As a woman, she's objectified and disempowered. If you have had choices, more or less, where to live or go to school or what kind of job to have, you're not like her to whatever degree you sit in places that are powerful or privileged, then you are experiencing distance from this woman's life. And that's okay. We don't need to feel guilty about it in order to take responsibility for it. And then to read the text appropriately and say, what would this mean for me given that I'm not her? What does the encounter between Jesus and this person who is in a very different situation than I am, say to me and the situation I'm in. You know who is like her? People who find that their ability to flourish is cut off by systems and structures that consistently, disproportionately affect them or members of their community. In fact, it would be an interesting question to ask. Who in our contemporary context might most be like her? Meaning that they experience the intersectional layers of oppression and opposition simply for who they are. It can be incredibly helpful at times to remember that scripture's stories are between real people, not characters. And that our way of identifying with the story is not limited to simply transplanting ourselves into a narrative. We can stay removed and acknowledge the differences between our circumstances and theirs. And then that becomes a way for the Bible to read us and to lead us forward in faithfulness to Christ. And so, for example, if we step away from an individualistic reading of the passage that says that I'm like the Samaritan woman, then we might actually find that we have different next steps to take. For example, we might realize that we're like the disciples totally stunned that Jesus wants her. There might be someone that we realize we think is beyond the reach of Jesus's acceptance and invitation, and this might be a corrective passage for us. We might look at a way that somebody is helping share the story of Jesus and find ourselves questioning it or disapproving of it, saying that real evangelism ought to look like a certain model, and this other thing we see just doesn't feel like it counts. And here's a story that might push on us, correct us. We might simply have bought into a gospel that is so incredibly exclusive that we forget how great the love of God is and how strongly God desires for the world to be saved. And all of those kinds of questions and thoughts don't happen If we end up reading scripture narrowly as if every bit is just for me, I'm going to wrap up there with a reminder that while we are exploring things in the backdrop that we do believe are helpful and significant areas of scholarship when it comes to understanding scripture, they're also not the only single way to think about any given passage. And obviously, I might have offered something that felt uncomfortable or controversial today, but it's okay for us to spend time mulling those things over and ultimately even to disagree. We do, however, hope these episodes are helpful for informing how you might read the passage that we studied or even scripture overall and inviting you into that text more. We believe that all sorts of engagement with scripture, questioning it, wondering about it, understanding it, applying it. All of those practices help form us. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of The Backdrop. If you are local, we'll be together again this Saturday to serve with God's Pantry Pomona. We'll be together Sunday for worship at 4.30 and dinner at 5.30. You can come to either or both of those times. And you can always find out what's going on via Instagram, Pomona Valley Church. Thanks for listening today.